Sure provisions of my God attend me all my days. Oh, may his house be my abode and all.
I'm a bit reluctant to say anything. Your voice melts me like a candle. It's, it's like a fine instrument. My brothers and I greet you and welcome you here this evening in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With me tonight, on my right, Elder Eric Baker from the Buckner Congregation. <clears throat> on my left, Deacon Trenton Jones, also from the Buckner Congregation. And behind me, probably needs no introduction to anybody here, Brother Chuck Miller. And I have to say that uh, I've found a handful of men in the restoration who when they speak, they speak to my very heart and my very soul. Several of those men are here tonight and Chuck Miller is one of those men. The theme for today, for this evening's service, is faith and hope. <clears throat> and by some strange coincidence, I happened to stumble across a small tract. It's called a busy man's tract. It's by Brother Albert A. Smith, subject, faith. It's yellowing, it's falling apart. It says here you can read it in three minutes. It's a fantastic read, I highly recommend it to you. But I'm going to take out of it just one small paragraph, pertinent to today's subject. He says, faith offers all. Doubt offers nothing and will take away that which you have. It is the creeping paralysis of all hope and all initiative. And now, brothers and sisters, I call you to worship. I call you now to continue to worship. And Liz, I look forward to your next offering. In case Liz didn't introduce herself, or in case you weren't here when she did introduce herself, our young sister's name is Liz Smith, and on the piano is Hannah Edwards. And in an effort to call you now to further worship, worship, I'll go to the book of Ether, the first chapter, the 98th through 
the 101st verses. This is actually Moroni speaking as he's abridging the plates. But he says, Behold, I have written upon these plates the very things which the brother of Jared saw. And there never was greater things made manifest than that which was made manifest unto the brother of Jared. Wherefore, the Lord hath commanded me to write them, and I have written them. And he commanded me that I should seal them up, and he also hath commanded that I should seal up the interpretation thereof. Wherefore, I have sealed up the interpreters according to the commandment of the Lord. For the Lord said unto me, They shall not go forth unto the Gentiles until the day they shall repent of their iniquity and become clean before the Lord. And in that day that they shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as the brother of Jared did, that they may become sanctified in me, then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even to the unfolding unto them all my revelations, saith Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of the heavens and of the earth, and all things that in them are. We'll open our service, brothers and sisters, by standing and singing hymn number 358. 358. After which the invocation will be brought by Brother Elder Eric Baker. Hymn 358.
Our Father in heaven, we are so pleased that we can come here tonight, that we might hear your word, that we might feel your presence here, and know that you are near. For Lord, in this uh, life and in this world we live in, we long that uh, we might enter uh, and be near your kingdom. We pray, Father, that um, our hearts uh, would be clean before you, that uh, indeed you uh, would come here and uh, preside over this service, that you might uh, fill our brother uh, Chuck's voice, that he would have the words with which to speak, that they might be those words which would um, not only bring comfort to uh, those who need comfort, but they would um, prick our hearts, that they, um, that they might be yours, even as we have sung this hymn, that we uh, would give our hearts to you. Father, may you be the uh, king of our heart. May you uh, attend us here tonight, we pray, and we give you thanks and all the honor and the glory, and we bless your name and pray it even in Jesus' name. For a scripture reading this evening, I've chosen from also from Ether in the, the fifth chapter. And it says, And Ether was a prophet of the Lord, wherefore Ether, wherefore Ether came forth in the days of Coriantumr and began to prophesy unto the people, for he could not be restrained because of the Spirit of the Lord which was in him. For he did cry from the morning even until the going down of the sun, exhorting the people to believe in God unto repentance, lest they should be destroyed, saying unto them that by faith all things are fulfilled. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God which hope cometh of faith and maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. It is like faithfulness O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, is thy faithfulness more 
to springtime and to harvest. Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I seek. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings abide with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I seek. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Good evening, brothers and sisters. It is so good to be with you. As I uh, contemplated this evening, uh, I'll have to admit that I didn't think I was going to get to see so many brothers and sisters that I don't get to see all the time. And it is a joy in my heart. You know, I, uh, I began going to reunions when I was one month old. And I didn't miss a reunion until I was 21 and then only missed a few after that. I grew up down in Oklahoma, and you'd think it's hot here. We always pick the first week of August for Rubber State Cave, Rubber's Cave State Park at our Eastern Oklahoma District Reunion. It was guaranteed to be 100 degrees. You'd take a shower at night and go lay down, I was telling the guys, and and they had those plastic covered mattresses and my mom hadn't heard of mattress pads, I guess. 
And each night, you'd lay down and we would just sweat, and there was not an air conditioner for miles around. And I loved every minute of it. I have so many fond memories of reunions. And as I uh, looked over your faces, uh, I think I counted about nine restoration branches represented here. And brothers and sisters, that's the way it was when I grew up. We couldn't wait to go to reunion to see our friends and our families that we didn't see, but once a year, maybe twice. And so it is a joy to be among you tonight. You know, this topic of faith and hope, this gospel is amazing. This gospel brings us hope that no other people in the world have, and not just for us to have, but for us to share. For them to know that Jesus is the Christ, that our hope is eternal salvation, that we have hope in Zion, that we have hope for celestial glory, and we have that hope because of the blood of the Lord Jesus that was shed and his resurrection from the dead. That we need not doubt, we need not fear, never over anything. He is always there to bless us and to help us if we ask him, always. He seeks, us, he seeks us out constantly to do these things. You know, faith is it's a principle of the gospel, isn't it? It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's a shield against the fiery darts of the adversary. Faith is the power principle of this gospel. As the apostles said, this gospel came not in, in word only, but in power and much assurance. could have been Peter but it was one of the two and they were both good fellows I was at the South Chrysler reunion a few weeks ago and uh, one of, after prayer service this gentleman came up to me and he said where's this scripture and he named off three words and I said I cannot think of it off the top of my head now I don't think those three words were the right three words but nevertheless, when I said, I'm not off the top of my head, I'm not sure. And he said, well, you should know. And that's exactly right, because these scriptures that we have strengthen our faith and encourage us. And that's where the testimony came. It began with Adam. And Adam, you know, he lived all those generations. He had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I'm not going to go through all the greats. And he bore that testimony of how he was lost and was found because he was told to make sacrifice and the angel came and asked him, why do you do this? And he said, I don't know except God told me that I need to do it. And then the testimony was born that it's in similitude of the death of the Lord Jesus, the atonement that was made, and the joy that Adam felt because he said, in the flesh, I again can see God. It's a marvelous thing. And he passed that testimony down generation after generation, and they shared it with others. And it's come down to us. We have this record. And it is incredible the power that's in this gospel. Brothers and sisters, this is not a church, it's the church. 
It's the only true and living church. And for you young people, never forget that. Never, never, never forget that. There is power resident in this gospel that can be found nowhere else. Incredible things that give us hope that we know that we're never alone. Never, ever alone. You know, we mentioned that that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit. All this comes because of the Spirit. And there's no other way around it. And so it's incredibly important that we prepare our lives, that we, our faith can be stronger, that we won't doubt. I love that hymn, Be Gone in Belief, for my Savior is near and for my relief. He, he, he goes through that, and, and it made it more special. When Brother Oakman was talking about as a boy, and that, that messenger from heaven was walking down the street singing that. How often are we like, like he who said, I believe, help my unbelief. And it's incredibly important that we have faith and hope. Without it, we are nothing. I think of the scripture that says that without faith and hope, you will not be acceptable to enter into the kingdom. We all want to be in Zion, every one of us. Sometimes I think we've taken our, uh, our, those attributes too lightly. You know, when I grew up, my, my daddy always told me and my mama too, they said, you can't do these things because you're a Latter-day Saint. And I believed them, that I couldn't be like the world. I tell my kids that, you're Latter-day Saints. They probably didn't like it any better than I did. Well, in reality, I loved it. I loved to be a part of it. I loved to hear the testimonies and the stories. I remember the saints coming to our home on Sunday afternoons and just getting together and as a little boy sitting there and, and taking that in. To hear those testimonies of those that that had lived them and experienced these mighty changes in their own lives. That have had told of the goodness that God had showed them. Of the love that he had shared. I shared a testimony. I was teaching the adult class there at South Chrysler this year. And, and I shared a testimony of uh, one of my neighbors. Some of you have heard this testimony. Maybe all of you. I don't know. But to me, it speaks to the love of God and the reason that we can have faith in him because he never, ever leaves us alone. So there was this family that moved in the house across the street. And uh, they decided, one of them teaches at Fort Osage and, and the other one, I think, does something up in Liberty. And, and they decided to move to Liberty and it was right in the middle of that downturn. And, in 2007 and 8 when you just couldn't sell a house and and it was terrible and uh, so they still needed to move and they 
they'd bought a house and they hadn't been able to sell theirs and so this man's daddy decided that he would move in and make the payment so they could, could not be under two house payments. And uh, so once this guy had just moved in and it happened to be that that Sunday that I walked down the, the driveway to pick up my newspaper, he was backing out of his driveway. And I thought, well, I'm going to go ask this guy that I don't know to watch my house because we were headed to reunion that day. And so uh, I went over and I said, I'm Chuck Miller. And uh, he said, I'm Zane Zuber. And, uh, and I said, uh, we're, we're getting ready to go to church camp for the week and wondered if you would watch, watch our home while we're gone. And he said, well, where are you going to church camp? And I said, uh, well, uh, he did say yes, by the way, that he would watch our house. I didn't ask him. I just said if you could pick up the newspapers and those kind of things, watch the mail and that kind of thing. And he said, where are you going to church camp? I said, well, we're going up to Lamoni. We have our church college up there. And he said, what church would that be? And he, I said, it was the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I said, I'm a card-carrying member. Still am, by the way. It's that church I talked about. And he said, uh, he said, I, used, I grew up in that church. I haven't gone for a long time. He said, when all the problems occurred, you know, I had problems in my life and, and just fell away. And, and some of my brothers and sisters, I have a large family and they fell away too. My children grew up in the Catholic Church. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, Brother Zane, I worship in a restoration branch, and I, I guarantee you the gospel that you heard preached when you were young, before you quit going, is the same gospel you will hear preached at our branch. And I could have said at your all's branches, many of your branches, all of your branches here, I said, we even still use the same gray hymnal that you had when you were there. And I would love for you to come. And he said, yeah, maybe I will someday. And time went by. And Zane didn't come. But I'd take opportunity to maybe uh, edge his lawn if I was doing my edging or blow his snow off his driveway when I did mine. And and we'd talk, and he'd come over and thank me for doing those things, and I would always invite him. And one day, he and his brother Ron showed up at our branch, and I was so excited. And he came, and as he, he sat there, and, uh, and he didn't come back the next week, and I thought, oh boy. And, uh, but every once in a while, he would come. And then he began to come more regularly. And one day I was sitting out in my, a Sunday afternoon, and I was sitting out on my front porch like old people do. And a car pulled up, and these two gentlemen got out of the car, and they were dressed like this, except they had long ties. They hadn't learned yet. And I said, and I appreciate Brother Eric supporting me here. And I said to Karen, I said, that looks like a priesthood visit. 
And I couldn't see their faces. I just saw the back of their heads as they walked up. I didn't recognize them. And, and when they came out, it was Brother Jim Bailey and Brother Richard Reeves from South Chrysler. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And the next day, uh, Brother Zane called uh, Karen and, and said, I'd like to talk to Chuck tonight if I could. And so uh, he came over, and, uh, or I went over, I don't remember which one, and, and he told me that, that he had uh, esophagus cancer, and it was stage four, and he was in bad shape. Zane uh, continued to come to church, and Zane eventually died. He was, he was gone. In fact, Karen had this daughter couldn't get a hold of him and came by and said, I just can't go in. And Karen went in and found Brother Zane. I learned something. I figured out that it wasn't necessarily a priesthood visit. It was an administration, and he told me that. And he told me how that uh, Jim Bailey was related to his brother's wife, I think, is how it went. Or Jim's wife, it was something, yeah, it was, I think that's how it was, or Jim. Ron's wife was related to Jim, they were cousins. And that's how they got over there. But I learned something at reunion that thrilled my soul, brothers and sisters. Brother Jim Bailey was in charge of the prayer services. And after I'd shared this in one of the classes, he said, I have more to that testimony to share that's different than yours. And he said uh, that he had... Uh, received a call from, uh, from Ron that, or his cousin and said that Zane had cancer and would like to be administered to. And so he had looked through the directory and he came to the name of Richard Reeves. He said, I don't know why I picked him, but I did. And I went by and picked him up. And Richard said, why are we going? And he said, uh, we're going to administer to Zane Zuber. He has cancer and is in not good shape. And Richard said, he used to be my next door neighbor. And then Jim knew why he chose him. He said uh, that Zane uh, had become lost. He had a gambling problem and a drinking problem. His wife had left him. They'd lost their home. He was downtrodden and heavy laden. Even after he had gotten over those things, he had still been lost. And he said, uh, Jim said, as I confirm that administration, in that administration, that the Lord told me that you tell Zane that God wants him to know that his sins are forgiven him. And Brother Zane cried out in joy and tears ran down his face. You see, brothers and sisters, God never leaves us alone. He, he set all these things in motion. He put his children in the house across the street from me. He had me go down and get the newspaper and have this thought to go over and ask this stranger to watch my house. And it happened to be on the Sunday that I could say I was going to reunion. And then to be able to bring him back, and he told Karen before he died, he said, I've made my peace with God. It is all right. See, he knew that the blood of the Lord Jesus had been applied in his life. 
And he continues to reach out and to, to nurture each one of us. This gospel is alive and powerful. What if he wouldn't have had that administration? What if he wouldn't have asked? And Brother Jim wouldn't have been able to hear what God wanted Zane to know. You talk about bringing hope into someone's life. It is a marvelous thing. And these kind of things happen over and over and over again. And there are thousands of testimonies. And you think I'm exaggerating. In this room, there are thousands of testimonies. How God has been so good to you and you need to share those testimonies that these young people know. And that the old people will remember. I was getting ready for a sermon last Sunday and... And I was going to uh, read that scripture where Peter says, Thou art, when God, Jesus asked, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And I was, that, that's what came into my mind, that, that I would uh, share that. And, and you know what Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee, but my Father is who in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church, the rock of the revealed knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then I thought, well, I'm going to read a little bit ahead of that. And so uh, a little bit ahead of that, the, they had just had the, uh, fed the 4,000, I think it was, the four or 5,000 with those I think seven fishes, or seven loaves of bread and four fishes, whatever it was. I don't think it told how many fishes, to tell you the truth. And it doesn't matter. And Jesus had said, because the Pharisees and the, the scribes of the, Sad, the Sadducees had come tempting Jesus and talking to him, and Jesus had said to them, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples, they began to talk amongst themselves. He's saying that because we forgot to bring any bread. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, and I'll just read what it says. Then Jesus said to them, uh, let's see, and they reasoned among themselves and they reasoned. And, and then Jesus said, do you not under, yet understand, neither remember? the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up or neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you, you look, took up. And then they realized he's talking about the doctrine. But the part that got my attention is, is how we so often focus on the physical. And we, that's the first thing that comes to our mind. And Jesus says, do you not yet understand? Do you not remember? How is it that you don't understand? And then in another time, they had been out ministering and Jesus hadn't eaten in a while and, and the disciples were concerned and said, uh, said to him, Master, you need to eat some meat. And he said, I have meat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of my Father. You see, again... 
they were worried about the physical side of things. And I think about uh, the situation that we find ourselves in. And I think we would all agree that uh, our faith is not sufficient. That our hope is not as strong as it should be. And that all too often uh, we get caught up in the things of the world. The pleasures. As Luke says in in chapter 8 when he's talking about the sower. And he says uh, about the ones with the thorns. And he said, and that which fell among thorns are they who when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life. And bring no fruit to perfection. We get choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life more than we do of the spiritual needs of our bodies, the souls, the spiritual need that we can be strong in the faith, that we can bear the testimonies and the power of the Spirit, and that we can share the reason for the hope that's within us. And in 2 Timothy, it, it says this, I'm almost there. Talking about the end days. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And he goes through and talks about all these other terrible things that men do. And they're without natural affection and truce breakers and false accusers. But then he says, and they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And I know that I fall into that category many times. And that I haven't fed the spiritual body. I looked up a scripture right before I came and it's in uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 98 and 5. 5J. And it says this. It says, therefore, care not for the body, neither the life of the body, but care for the soul and the life of the soul, and seek the face of the Lord always, that in patience you may possess your souls, that ye shall have eternal life. You see, the testimonies are, are there, the experiences are there, the things that would strengthen us. And yet we focus on the physical just like the disciples did. Oh, he speaks because we forgot to bring bread. I find these, if you read about faith and hope, you'll see that that they come through study. They come through prayer. They come through the Holy Spirit dwelling within this. And that's what strengthens our faith. You know, we're talking about the attributes, the characteristics of Latter-day Saints. I haven't forgot where I was going. I think I'll get back there in a minute. I sidetrack myself quite often. But these attributes, these characteristics, are they not characteristics of the Lord Jesus himself? Of faith and hope and meekness 
You know, it says that, that we need to be meek. And we always think that's a weak thing. But it's being submissive to our Heavenly Father. There's nothing weak about that. There's nothing harder than us laying our own wills down and doing His. He seeks for us, brothers and sisters, to feed our souls. That we can be strong in the faith because He says, You will not survive the day. I ran across a testimony, that an experience would be a better word for it. Word of admonition from Ward A. Halvis. He was a high priest in the church. He was a, a district president or a state president. He, he was, my wife's grandfather said that he was the greatest administrator in the church. But he was a man of God. He was in this area. He was out in Denver, and he affected many lives. Well, this happened July 11th, 1948 in Odessa, Missouri. You may have been there a time or two. And he said, uh, these are the words the Lord gave me to tell you. He said, in this hour of uncertainty and indecision, it's well to gather together that you may know my will concerning you. Behold, I say unto you that it's not the great things that separate you from me, but it's the little things. Therefore, I speak to you concerning those things which you have looked upon as being small and of little concern. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says many times in the past I've spoken to you reminding you that the Sabbath is a day of worship, a day of rest, a day of fasting, a day of prayer and a meditation. Yet many of it, many make of it a day of feasting rather than a day of feasting to satisfy the appetites of the flesh. And in this you become partakers of the world. You have made of it a day of entertainment. This is grievous unto me because I cannot be with you and my spirit cannot dwell in unholy temples. I have been, also I have admonished you to be diligent and faithful at the place of prayer. Yet many of you are so absorbed in things and affairs of the world that you have no time for prayer. Your time and your strength and energy is so taken that you eventually do not even have desire for the midweek prayer service. Be diligent and regular in your attendance at this service, but all services that you might know might grow in fellowship with me and with each other and learn in my ways. And you see, brothers and sisters, uh, then he goes on, he tells the priesthood. What I say unto the membership, I say more particularly unto the priesthood. It's your responsibility to so live and to so teach that my people will not allow themselves to become buried in the cares of the world, that they become separated from me. You see, those cares of the world have entered into our lives and they've separated us from him. It's these little things that we don't think are very important. And he desires us to keep the commandments that he can strengthen our faith. That we can draw together and hear the testimonies of others. That we can go into and feel the fellowship of the good spirit in these worship services. That we can be encouraged to do the things in our home. That the spirit will be there and dwell with there and fill our homes. One of the most... Uh, 
incredible experiences, and again, I won't share the whole thing, but it affected my life deeply, and I've shared it with you all. But I'm going to share it again. Albert Carmichael in Garden Grove, California, he wanted his people to know how they could how that branch could best take care of the children of the branch. And he fasted and he prayed month upon month that he might know as the pastor how those children could be fed because he said, I know if Jesus comes, he will go to the children first. If he was to visit our branch, he will go to the youth and we keep them downstairs in the basement in their classes and it's dark and it's dank. And one night, this heavenly messenger came into his room and told him to get up and get dressed that they were going on a journey. And he began to share with, with Brother Carmichael shared about this experience. And he said the air that he breathed, you just couldn't fill your lungs enough with it. It was so clean and pure. And it, was, it just fed the soul. He said as they traveled, they saw the stars praising God in his courses. He said he saw the trees praising God. He said everything was meant to praise our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was incredible. He said everything tied together and he got to this place and he looked up and he said it was this beautiful arbor-like affair and, and within this place he saw the children of his branch. And as he looked at them, he, he noticed that they didn't have a teacher And he asked this messenger, he says, why do my children not have a teacher? And he said that it was, the environment itself testifies of the Lord Jesus. The environment that surrounds them. You go back and tell your people that they need to create environments in their homes that testify of the Lord Jesus. By the music they hear, the pictures on the wall, the things they do in that home and how they do it. And if they will do that, their children will be one to the church without argument or dogmatism or fuss. You see, he wanted this the children, this, the Lord wanted these children to be one. And they're one as we share our experiences of faith. And it strengthened us when we do it. We have the opportunity to affect every life. And you have the opportunity this week to affect your all's lives. We hear the scripture that says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and it talks about the preaching. You're gonna get two months of sermons in one week. Your faith will be so strong when you leave here if you're diligent. And the classes will be wonderful. The prayer services will be uplifting. Come here prepared, come here early. Sit and meditate. Think about the good spirit. Think about how God, good God has been to you in your life. And as you do that, your hope will well up. You will begin to remember those testimonies, all those experiences you've had. They'll be fresh on the tip of your tongue. You'll be quick, in the, quick as a wing to stand, probably in this aisle, to bear those testimonies. Your devotion will become a delight to you. It's not just prayer and study and fasting and church attendance. 
It's a way of life, brothers and sisters. It's how you conduct your daily life and everything you do and the decisions you make. That you'll be prepared for that time of trial that will come upon you. And it won't matter. Your faith will be too strong. These reunion experiences are so vital in the life of the saints. I wanted to share one last experience with you before we, uh, we close this evening. I can't believe the time has already gone. You all probably thought, oh my goodness, is it ever going to end? We had a man in the church in California many years ago. Uh, his name was Daniel Mills. He was a man of faith. He was a man of God. He and a brother Prothero had started from Los Angeles to San Francisco by boat. It was in October of 1874. They touched, they touched at Port Hartford in San Luis Obispo County and the weather was so bad and the, the travel on the boat was miserable. The waves were, were high. It said there was a heavy sea is what he called it. And that means the waves run high. And he said we had gale winds. That meant 40 and 50 mile an hour winds. And the passengers, many of them had said, we're taking the stagecoach. This travel by boat is the pits this time. And they got, he and Brother Prothero said, we're getting off this boat too. We're going to take the stage. Some of y'all probably took the stage out here, didn't you? Maybe not. And so uh, as they were getting off the boat and, and began to walk away with the, some of the other passengers, uh, Brother Prothero said to Brother Mills, the spirit tells me we must go on board again to save the lives of the crew and the passengers of that vessel. And so they uh, turned around immediately because the voice that Brother Prothero had heard. And they went down below to their state rooms and they engaged in prayer even in mighty prayer, asking God to give them power to rebuke the waves and the storm that they might proceed safe to safety in their destination. They didn't just ask that they would have safe travel. They asked that the Lord would stop the storm. And as they continued praying, they seemed to have been in great darkness which surrounded them. And one would ask the other, have you any light yet? And when, when the other answered no, they just kept on praying. And they prayed all the way till midnight. And towards midnight, uh, while in their, their room praying, Brother Prothero said to Brother Mills, I see a little light. And Brother Mills answered, let us pray more strongly and fervently. And they continued in prayer until they were both enveloped in light from on high. And, mu and much of the Spirit was with them. And they went on out on deck and in the presence of the captain and some other officers and some of the passengers. Brother Mills, with uplifted hands, rebuked the waves and the storm and commanded them in Jesus' name to cease their raging. And immediately, immediately the sea smoothed down and they continued their journey in safety. Brother Mills then with uplifted hands prophesied in the name of the Lord that the vessel would be lost on her next trip and requested the officers and the men who desired to save their lives to leave her. And that's exactly what happened and many were saved. You see, by us having a strong faith like Brother Mills and Brother Prothero did, we can save the lives of others that are on the sea of life. 
We can bear the testimony, and I don't know the answer to this, but I would imagine that there were many when they saw the storm calm that they wanted to know who are these men and where do they get this strong faith? Their hope and their faith are beyond measure. I remember Brother Rick Rogers' dad, Jim, in a sermon that he preached at Buckner, bearing testimony that at a reunion experience, I believe, in Mississippi, they were in a big tent. And the storm was raging, and Brother Jim, in the power of his high priesthood, stood and rebuked the storm, and it ceased. These things are not just in 1874 or 94, whatever it was. It happens today for a people that have great faith. I challenge you not to forget and to understand that it's, it's the details of your life that are so important. That the good spirit can have an effect in your life and the lives of others. I said I was, that was it. I have one more I wanted to share. I don't know the answer to the end of this, why it was. I'm working on a project at my work, uh, putting a wastewater treatment plant out in California. I mean, California, Hawaii. And the contractor and I began to talk, and, uh, and he told me that his wife had this very rare form of cancer and that the doctors didn't really know what to do. And... Uh, for some reason, uh, my wife and Beth Gio, Sister Beth's here tonight, you know she had a rare form of cancer and, and, and it told me about it and this thought came in my mind to this guy I don't know. To share, to ask if Beth would mind talking to Victoria, Tim's wife. And so, uh, I set that up and Sister Beth was, said, I'd be happy to. And those two struck up a friendship while one was in, Victoria was in Oregon for a while and then moved to Hawaii, but that strengthened her faith and encouraged Victoria. Well, this last week, Victoria died. I don't know why it was that the Lord wanted Sister Beth to bear testimony of the things that she believed and the experiences that she'd been through. But it buoyed up Victoria. It made her stronger for the battle that she was fighting. I can't wait to hear the rest of the story someday. Just like I heard the rest of the story at reunion a couple of weeks ago. But God had his hand in those things. Tim would tell me what a blessing Beth was in the life of Victoria. And I'd try to tell him encouraging things as best I could. So we'll wait to hear the rest of the story and maybe at a reunion in the future I can share that with you. May God bless you and may you be strong. May this reunion experience be one that changes your life. May you develop friendships that will last a thousand years. May you cultivate the good spirit in your lives that your faith will be that you can't doubt. That you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you need not fear whatever trials you're going through. That God is right there and ready to answer you and ready to help you whatever it is, however it turns out. You are beautiful saints. 
God loves you so much, and I love you so much. May God bless us all. May we be fit for thy king, for his kingdom. Is my prayer for all of us. certain that Brother Chuck has kindled a fire burning in your bosom. And if you'll indulge me for just a moment. Brother Chuck and I did not talk about this. He has absolutely no idea what I'm about to tell you. But I pray that what I'm about to tell you will cause that fire in your bosom to become a raging, burning fire with the Holy Ghost telling you, showing you how closely that the Lord is working with you, his people. Fifty-three years ago, when I was a young man, I had a good friend. I loved him like a brother. He gave me a wedding gift. I still have it. A token of the love that we shared for each other. My wife and I were present when he met his wife, Vicki, his name was Zane Zuber. Now, if you will, we'll stand and sing hymn number 70, We're Marching to Zion, after which Brother Trenton Jones will offer our benediction. Hymn number 70.
Lord our God, you are such a great and powerful God. Thank you for loving us as we are sinners. Lord, thank you for being here at this service. I have definitely felt you, and I'm sure other people here have. Please help us to be in the spirit of worship even as we go from this service, and that we would want to know more and expound the gospel to others, Lord. Please give us the ability to remember the scriptures and remember the experiences that you give us so that we can be the light to the world. And I pray a benediction upon this service, Lord. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, amen.